you ask me one more stupid question, I'll tear your skin off. Nick, 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 Nick. Nickelodeon. From Studio A at Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Podcast. Welcome to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. I'm your host, Hector Navarro. I cannot wait to talk to our guest. At some point in your life, guys, when you're watching cartoons, I think that you have the thought that everybody inevitably does, which is, who the heck are the people that are making the voices that are coming out of these insane characters? I am so lucky to be sitting next to one of those people today, and not just any voice, but one of the voices in animation. Ren, Stimpy, Doug Funny, Fry, Professor Farnsworth, Dr. Zoidberg, Zach. Brannigan, the red M&M, the list goes on and on and on. I'm talking, of course, about legend Billy West. When people think about not only the 25-year history of Nicktoons, but the history of animation, period, and the voices that helped to shape it, people think about Billy. I'm not- sick of him. He's so overexposed. No. no, I disagree, young Billy West. No, he's fantastic. He's great. Well, all right, I'll sit in the corner. Okay, great. Go and shut up till my mom comes looking okay. for me. I promise you're going to have a good time, okay? <clears throat> yes, I mean... Yes. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I've been really busy for a long time since I've recorded in this studio, but that's... I consider myself to be really fortunate extremely fortunate to keep working mm-hmm. you know like i don't need to retire i'm 64 and i have no plan to retire you know yeah yeah i mean i think what you do for a living if especially if you love it keeps you alive forever totally like because you're you get to imagine a job where you get to to play like a child and explore like a child and everything you pick up is new to you and it's all up to your imagination to yeah. to turn it into uh, something special. Yeah. Hopefully, that's that's usually the um, the assignment for most voice people. Mm-hmm. You know, what would you do with three words? You got three seconds. Make us cry. You know. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. That seems like a lot of pressure, but it's also just like you said. It's it's what gives you life. It you is. Know? It yeah. is. I mean, I success doesn't teach you anything. I've only been taught by failures. Yeah. And and the fact that if you give up, you'll be defined by failure. Yeah. And you'll never have the chance to be defined by success. That's amazing. We did so early, and that's the best piece of advice I've heard. Yes, it's <laughs> what I give, yes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Tell us about your first memory of animation, where that love came from. Um, it all came out of just nowhere. Because when you're a little child, when you're like a toddler. Yeah everything's coming out of nowhere. You're getting to meet who your aunt is for the first time and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, we had a TV. It was back in the dark ages, you know, Mm mid-50s. And we had the old black and white TV and there was like two and a half channels then. And there wasn't all-night TV, so you, you had to be very selective about what you did with your time. Even as a kid... I sat in front of that TV screen, and as soon as I was old enough to read, I I was looking at the credits to see who... I knew somehow there was whacked-out adults behind this, but I couldn't put it together at that age. Yeah. And I also liked live-action comedy. Yeah. Which, um, there used to be a guy, a comedian, 
Uh, I thought he was the funniest of all of them. His name was Sid Caesar, and he yeah. was a huge influence because he was the first televised image I ever saw of like a show. Right. And he was so funny, and and yet he could make you cry because he knew how, he knew the power of like if, if people get emotionally invested in you if there's something sad about you. Yeah. And then if you say one stupid thing, you can split them into atoms. You know. Like, yeah. Yeah, because. It's got it's two sided. It's become three dimensional to another person. One thing you said a second ago, I think, is true for everyone that ends up working in animation,、uh-huh. which is at a young age you looked at the credits, you looked at those people that were behind the cartoons. Two names. Two names. What were the names?、Um, well, let's see. Three names.、Mm-hmm. Um, Mel Blanc. Yep. Because he happened to get credit, that wasn't a thing that they did then. True. Yeah, they wanted the cartoon character to be the star, yeah, and not the human being, because the cartoon character will never come up and go, you know, I've been doing this for fifteen years, Doc. You know, yeah, and he's looking for a raise. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want. Well, we're not impressed or you know by you or yeah. anything. Cartoon, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll erase your prostate. <laughs> Did you have a moment, Billy, growing up, where you knew, like, okay, I'm weird, I'm weird compared to everybody else, and then, and then you sort of grew to to love that? Did you have a specific moment? I did. I, I did very, very strange things to alter my perception. Okay. At a very early age, I discovered that if you walk around the house with one eye closed and you looked at a hand mirror that reflected the ceiling above you, you felt like you were walking on the <laughs> ceiling, and a lamp would be sticking up right in front of you, and、yeah. and you had you felt like you needed to step over it. It was like my own virtual reality. And then if you、sure. tilted the mirror this way, the wall. Appeared to be light right in front of you, across your chest, and you were wading through a solid object. That's what it felt like. Wow! And I used to do this for hours, and <laughs> hours, and hours. So, I think that's a pretty good indicator that you're maybe a little、uh, off kilter in a good well, way. Well,、so. I needed to escape. I、sure. couldn't. I couldn't bear where I was. My soul couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah,、um, yeah. You know, and sometimes people don't come back from that stuff. You Absolutely, know, they, be, they they split into a million pieces because they're so traumatized、yeah. from what's going on at home that each piece hits the floor and grows up、yeah. as another person entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was never worried about that.、Great. I never felt that going on. I、great. wasn't schizophrenic. It's, it's just the rewards of a misspent youth. Yeah, <laughs> great, great, fantastic rewards. Um, okay, so let's talk about. I mean, let's talk about the building that we're in right now. We're in Nickelodeon Animation Studios, yes. And it is. I mean, Nicktoons has had a 25-year history, and in the beginning, you were there. Yes. You were there, and you played some iconic characters: Doug Funny, yeah, Stimpy, and Ren. Well, I loved all of that. Yeah, I loved it, and to this very day, I've talked to thousands of well, young people、I、and、bet. and old people、I、and、bet. little little kids. And they seem to all know that stuff because they wound up watching Nick at a certain point in their life, and、yeah. then they they got this sense that there was some lineage,、yeah. something earlier that Nick had done, and then they'd give him a taste of it here and there, and then all of a sudden,、uh, they all know. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm more than happy to 
perform it to a three-year-old or that's amazing i i had no idea that ren and stimpy was a cultural phenomenon i was like the last one to know about it yeah and i'm and i lived in the lower east side of new york and i was out with my wife and we were taking a stroll and there's all these like colorful bars up yeah. and down the lower east side theme places there was one with an english uh look and it had a red phone booth mm-hmm. and i think it was called telephone and we'd go in there occasionally, but one morning we're walking by, there's a crowd like dripping out the doorway practically trying to get in. And I said, what the hell are they doing in there? They must have like free food for a few hours. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it was the college crowd and they were having a Bloody Mary party to celebrate the watching of Ren and Stimpy. Oh my goodness. I walked in and I couldn't believe it. Wow. I was like, what? Yeah. You know, so I had no idea. You never know when you're in the middle of something. Sure. If it's a dream or a nightmare or yeah. <laughs> if it's a cultural phenomenon yeah. or it's just, you know. Ren! Ren! You'll never believe what happened! What happened? Something came out of my butt! That's nice, Stampy. Something came out of your butt. No, no, Ren. I'm serious. And not only that. It made a sound. You're an idiot. I got to say also, as a as a someone who is families from south of the border, my family's from Mexico. I was born here in the United States. I love that Ren was Mexican. I love that growing up to see a Mexican cartoon character, like a, you know, and happened to he sometimes was, be. He was south a of the, lot of things. He, he was, was a lot of things. He was an amalgam. Yeah. <laughs> of all kinds of things, but see, the thought process being, yeah. if there's something you don't like about him, because yeah. he was a quintessential a-hole. Sure. You know, the Jackie Gleason prototype, yeah, this yeah, yeah. anger guy, that anger yeah. guy. <laughs> and um, if you mixed in parts of that folk singer, Burl Ives, you know, mm-hmm. who would say, hello, boys and girls. You know, he was that, I grew up listening to him. Yeah. And the fact that Ren would revert to him or Kirk Douglas. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this thing? Get it off of me! It's the happy helmet, Ren. Now you'll always be happy. And this is the remote control. And I use this dial to control how happy you are. You sick little monkey! Why, I oughta... Hey, it works! I um, originally auditioned for both characters. Mm-hmm. And, um... I recorded them. I went with John Chris Felusi over to Nickelodeon in New York. Mm-hmm. And before we, he went in to have this meeting, we were recording it in a closet. It was almost like right out of a movie. There was the mop and the bucket <laughs> and, and a microphone. And we're in the closet like, yeah. like this. Yeah. You know. And uh, he said, okay, here's your script. You know, and, he, and I start reading it in both parts. And then he went and had the meeting. Mm-hmm. And when he came out, he said, Congratulations! What you just did sold the show. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, I said, well, great, you know, like that. And then I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. And um, he had decided that he was going to do the Ren voice. I'm, I'm sure that he intended to. Sure. But, um, but the thing was, I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't give a fig. You know who did what. Yeah. I was glad to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> so then there was all kinds of difficulties and infighting, and he wound up leaving the show. Sure, sure. And um, so they turned to me because 
originally I auditioned for both of them. They dug out the tape. Yeah. But what I had done was what he wanted me to do, which was to bring in slices of this showbiz periphery. Yeah. Uh, Burl Ives, you know, he's he's a Chihuahua and he's south of the border, but yeah. then he's got this Danish last name. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's, sometimes he's European, sometimes he's south of the border. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Yeah. That he was a shapeshifter in a lot of ways. Sometimes he'd have big black freckles on his head and yeah. other scenes he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, it, I said, this is great. This is breaking every rule in the book in Absolutely. some way. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not like the guy didn't know the form. Sure. You know, he was a genius at, at like, he studied at the hands of many masters. Yes. Bob Clampett and Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. And, um, you know, I understood where he was coming from. I just, um, I couldn't be involved with the politics. Sure, sure. Um, because, you know, it wasn't like he and I were Damien and Pythias, you know, yeah. like blood brothers. You know, I was a hired gun. Happy, happy, In the early uh, days, uh, Nick wanted to put together a uh, a three cartoon block. Yep. Yeah. Doug was a sleeper. Yeah. And then uh, it started showing heavy life, like like about phew, I don't know. 15 years ago. And I think that both of those cartoons especially, I think really define Nickelodeon in a lot of ways because Doug had the sweetness that I think that a lot of shows that came after that for the studio, they could kind of go back to that that earnestness that that Doug had. And then Ren and Stimpy was the insanity, was the um, just the most hilarious, you know, um, and, and animated. And I think that both of those shows had a lot to do with the success of Nickelodeon, obviously. And, and Rugrats was like a glue that held the opposite extremes together. Yes. It was yes. brilliant from top to bottom. Absolutely. And... Uh, you know, I put a lot of myself into a lot of stuff I do. Sure. Um, I don't want it. I want it to ring true mm-hmm. as if it could actually be a person that you would uh, you'd take the ride with. Yeah. You know, you're asking a lot yeah. of an audience to, to laugh when, when you say laugh. Yeah. <laughs> or cry when, when you say cry. It, yep. It's asking a lot. So you better, you better get them involved with you. Yeah, and I thought the more facets to somebody, it's just like a drawing. You know, mm-hmm. there's lousy garbage drawings and there's really great ones mm-hmm. that somehow people find fascinating. Mm-hmm. It could be totally abstract, like it doesn't quite stack perfectly. You know, static. Sure. Um, and I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Stuff that I in voiceover, I always wanted to be like the untied shoe. You know, like you walk into a shoe store and you see rows and and you know. Pentagon full of shoes, yeah. you know, all perfect, laced and everything. And where's your eye stop? On the one stupid pair of shoes that are open lacings and a tongue hanging out. Yeah. That's the one you'll stop and go, wonder why. It's got character. But it's great. But that's all you need. That's your foot in the door. That's it. And I thought, I'm going to be brave. I probably won't get a lot of gigs, but I, I have to do something nobody else is doing. That is a great description of Billy West, the untied shoe. Yeah, I know. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm one of those people, though, that is that is attached to these characters. You, a second ago, you were talking about making them real. So I'm a huge fan. I'm sitting here with you. I have to take advantage of this opportunity. Billy, I'm a big fan of Doug. Mm-hmm. Question for you. If Doug Funny were to propose to Patty Mayonnaise, what would it sound like? What would he say? Oh, boy. Well, Patty, all I have to say is I know what a woman really wants. A lot of guys don't, and they're not sensitive to a woman's needs. And every guy ought to learn that they love a guy with a sense of humor, a guy who will protect them if they need it, who will listen to them and be loyal to them. But I guess that's too much to ask, so... When I grow up, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> Perfect. Great. That is better than I could have imagined You're full it. of crap, loser, and everybody knows it. Get out of here. <laughs> Roger, get out of here, Roger. No, you get out of here. All right, fine. <laughs> Roger always has to go and spoil it. But guess when what? Those were based... That Doug character really was what I was like at 11 and yeah. a half. I said, yeah. why do girls always love the bastards who mistreat <laughs> them? I said, it's hardly fair. It's like if this girl only knew sure. how I thought of her when she walked into a room, and uh, that's what the whole Doug thing is about. Yeah. It's like when will she figure out that she's you know, being played by an ape? And Roger was a kid who bullied you, right? Roger that's was right. A, that's and right. And his hair came to a point, and his Ugh. nose came to a point, and Ugh. his chin, and his shoes, and his fingers. <laughs> it was based on somebody that was actually my own personal devil back in the... <laughs> Well, way back. I appreciate you channeling that to make a great cartoon bully, one of the all-time classics. So we're kind of going through your career right now, Billy. Okay. You're over at Warner Brothers, and I believe the first time you did Elmer Fudd was Space Jam. You did Elmer and Bugs mm-hmm. in Space Jam, which is, first of all, my question for you is, what was it like to voice these characters to come in and, and do Elmer and Bugs? What was oh, like? you'll love this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so easy. Everybody that came in that room had to add their two cents. Oh, great. And it's about perception. <laughs> yeah. Again, some guy comes in, he goes, you know, uh, he, he's supposed to sound like a little bit Jewish, you know, like from the Bronx, from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You know, and then somebody else would come in and go, he sounds like way too tough, you know? He sounds threatening. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do it like, you know, where he's, he's sort of having a laugh on the world and thumbing his nose. And, Thank you. Know, you. He's not that mean. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, a day of that. Yeah. Oh. And the last time the door shut, I went, eh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, and you got to do Bugs and Elmer, uh, and especially Elmer, kind of sporadically for the past... 15, 20 years, I think, which is, I think, amazing. Uh, you do a really, really great Elmer. Oh, thanks. I remember And that. he was, was my favorite uh, Warner Brothers character, actually. You'd be shocked. But only yeah. because he was a brain-dead hunter <laughs> with the little ear flaps, you yeah. know, and a giant, formidable shotgun. Yeah. And he talked like a little child until <laughs> he got mad. Yeah, he would go from zero, zero to, 60. to 60. Absolutely. That's all. I felt like that always. It was yeah. like, you know, did you see that? I think that was the wabbit. <laughs> All right, wabbit, come out of there. Yeah. Say your prayers. Put your hands up. And uh, I like that that maniacal shift. Mm-hmm. A lot of characters that I do have like mania mm-hmm. in them, but <laughs> it was mostly asked for. But if it wasn't, I would finesse it a little. If the char- if it was appropriate for the character. Okay, I know that this is a tough question, Billy. 
Do you have a favorite character that you voiced on Futurama? I I love them all so much. I put so much work in each one. You know, like uh, Doctor Zoidberg was based on some showbiz periphery. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a guy named Lou Jacoby, and he was in um, that movie, the Arthur movie, where he comes over and leans into Arthur and he goes, "What's it like to have all that money?" It doesn't suck, <laughs> you know. And um, and he also uh, I fused him with another guy who was the called the Toastmaster General of the United States. He was famous for giving toasts. He was a mm. vaudevillian named George Jessel, mm. and he also had a marble mouth, you know. So when I put the two of them together, they wound up to be Zoidberg. Zoidberg could eat. <laughs> you need a new president. Zoidberg will serve. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Zoidberg, can you describe your perfect day? Perfect day? Mm-hmm. A newly dumped dumpster <laughs> filled with my favorite potato peelings. <laughs> Adult diapers. <laughs> How can you expect me to keep a straight face? I can't. <laughs> Question, what would Richard Nixon's head yes. think about the upcoming election? Oh, gosh. <laughs> you no, know, he wouldn't recognize the system. Yeah, yep. Or the process of his own party. He, it would be <laughs> unrecognizable to him. Absolutely, absolutely. He's what? Fighting with the Pope? <laughs> I would never do a thing like that. <laughs> you know what the thing was? Is, um, I didn't give a damn how Nixon sounded. Yeah, no. Because I can do perfect impressions of people and all that, but what good is that? Yeah. And it's like, and it might sound, you know, uh, here's Donald Trump at the seaside picking up seashells without a bathing suit on. It might go something like this. Yeah. I hate that stuff. <laughs> oh, I can feel the oxygen leaving the room when somebody does that junk. So um, I just, you, you boil it down to its essence. Yes. Even if it's a noise. Yes. And there's your hook. There it is. And and I'll tell you the real story where I got that werewolf stuff from. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Um, there's a story behind that? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, there's a story behind everything. Um, I was about, geez, I don't know, about 14, mm-hmm. maybe. And um, no, I wasn't even that. I was more like 10. That's what it was. And my mom and I were watching TV, and it was Nixon versus John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And John F. Kennedy... Had that ultra bright smile, you know, and he had that buttered toast hair, and he looked like a game show host, and they shot him in soft focus. Yes. And then the cameramen were instructed to do heavy close ups. Yeah. Oh. Of, of Nixon, oh. where you could even see the little whiskers growing out of pores, you know, oh. practically. Like every ugly detail, every wart. Yeah. And and he was sweating. Yeah. You know, and his beard was coming in as he spoke. You can see it getting darker. <laughs> and I said to my mom, Mom, he's going to turn into a werewolf. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I was waiting for this, and that's why I would like to serve this country as uh, your next uh, CEO, or whatever he said. And then I thought, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> whatever you hear behind this door. <laughs> Keep it locked for your own sakes. Uh, if I could ask you, what would a final piece of advice be for young people uh, that might be interested or are even struggling in the field of voiceover work? What would what would your piece of advice be? Well, I meet 
thousands of people. I bet. It's become such a thing. Yeah. It's it's suddenly now the coolest job in the world for people of all ages. <laughs> and it's like no one gave a fat frog's rear end, you know, about that junk. Yeah. When I was in school, there were no signposts. There were no teachers. Yep. It was nothing. And all I had going for me was my passion and uh, my, uh, let's see, my enthusiasm, my excitement. Yeah. Um, you have to be armed with those two things, passion and excitement and determination, all the little touchstone type things. Sure. It counts because if you're going to be any kind of performer, you're going out into a world where your business is um, 95% unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> your job is looking for work. That's your job. That's your job. Yeah. Well, I got to go look for work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, it's cold out there alone. It's tough. And you got to be willing to stand there with everything you've got and feel some confidence. Yeah. To, to feel fearless. Yes. And that it's not going to kill you. Whatever happens today is not going to destroy your soul or your, yes. your psyche or anything. Rejection is a thing that you have to deal with, not just there, but everywhere. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it's so easy to take stuff personally, you know, to come out of there and with the purest of thoughts and go, I, I did my absolute best. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I. How could they not... You're great. No, no, no. You're no, 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 no. You're fantastic. You're so great, Billy. You're great. That I was role playing. Uh, oh, okay, right. It's good. <laughs> you bought that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you, Billy. Thanks so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Will you shut up, you fool? Yes, I shall kill you. <laughs> and my name is Doug Funny, and I'm a painfully average eleven and a half year old. And this is my dog, Porkchop. And you already heard Roger. Well, you're going to hear it again because I'm not going away, Funny. I don't care if you went to another network. I followed you. <laughs> and this is Zap Renegan, Master of Time, Space, and everything else in between. And uh, Kiff, alert the men. I've made it with a woman. Young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster and leave the maggots on it. Good news, everyone. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. All right, keep it down, Billy, in the corner. Your mom's here to pick you up. No, I don't want to go. You have to go now. You have to leave. I find this quite fascinating. How do you know what the word fascinating means? I, I know a lot of things. It's too advanced. I've got two eyes, a brain, and two ears. Stupid. Okay, you you know what? You're right, young Billy. I was talking down to you. I apologize. That's not what Nick is about. We're kid-friendly. Uh, thanks for hanging out, young Billy. Gee, thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Billy West as much as I did, but I would love to know who you want to hear in the seat across from me. So find Nick Animation on social media and let me know on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. You're not going to want to miss an episode of the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast, so please, please, please visit nickanimationpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes and tons of bonus content like photos from the podcast of me, Billy West, and maybe a few untied shoes. You can also find some original production art from Ren and Stimpy and Doug, too. Thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez Eberhardt, Kelly Smith, Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Greg Nix. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Grova. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. Cartoons.